Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilke Faber, transformational coach, facilitator, and award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. Welcome to Rooted and Wavering, broadcasting live from Phoenix Business Radio X in Phoenix, Arizona, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. I'm your host, Hilke Farber, and this is the 18th episode. I'm here today with James Christensen, uh, president of Gateway Bank. James, how are you today? I am excited to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Well, I feel very humbled to be here with you, and in a moment, we'll find out more about why I feel so humbled. But before we talk about James, I want to talk a little bit about this podcast series to get us all centered in the intention for what we're doing here. So Rooted and Wavering is a podcast series that is about helping to connect each of us, to connect more deeply to what's true about us in essence. Whatever that is for us, however we describe that, can be something to do with our values, with love, with compassion, with truth, with wisdom, whatever we call that. It's not prescribed. It's an experience. And these conversations are to become inspired, to hear from different leaders and learn through their stories about, hmm, maybe I get a pointer. Just like when we're on a hike, like, oh, I'm, I'm inspired by that tree or by that view or by that water into a maybe a taller version of myself. So that's what we're about here. And today we're going to have a conversation with James Christensen. He is the president of Gateway Bank. It's the only community bank in Mesa, Arizona. It's also a very thriving institution. I understand it's one of the strongest performing financial institutions in its peer group. And you've led it, Chris, uh, James, through ups and downs and through to a very strong performance. James is not only a CEO, and a banker. He's also, amongst many other things, a father and a very active community contributor. So much so that he was nominated and achieved the Mesa Citizen of the Year in 2023 award, which is, I think, something that just happened. And he advocates for small businesses, uh, marginalized groups, people in need. And he does a lot in the community, including being on podcasts like this, doing one-on-one presentations, and inspiring different audiences to greater well-being and financial health. And I was very intrigued by that combination. Uh, James and I met a few weeks ago, introduced by our mutual friend, Karen Owiki, the head of Business Radio X in Phoenix. And one of the first things that struck me about was how honest you were about your path with me, James. It didn't take very long before you told me about your path and how that's informed you. So thank you for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been, uh, it's been quite the journey, and, and it, took a, it took a while to get comfortable with sharing the journey. And, and you know, I'm open to it. All right. I love that. So question to, to get us into the conversation is connectedness. Connectedness with our true self, with each other, with, with what's truly important. Tell us a bit about your journey in connectedness. 
in your own life, connecting more truly what what's important to you. Yeah, it's you know when when we chatted a few weeks ago, one of the things that came up, and for me, my my life changing moment, one of many life changing moments, was really kind of working until the point I completely broke and had a nervous breakdown. It's really interesting when you're out in the public a lot, people think, oh, you're so well connected. You have, you know, you have so many friends, you have all this. And, and you know, at that point in life, it feels incredibly lonely. Whether that, you know, it may not look like that from the outside, but from the inside, you're just, you're just going and going and going. And, and the connectedness piece I would have described as solely business connections at one point. Now, I think the most important for me is being connected to who I am and and really kind of coming full circle to to being who I wanted to be or who I was when I was younger and not, you know, trying to be something I thought everybody wanted me to be. And I thought I had to have a, a family hat and a work hat. Mm-hmm. Now I just have one. And it's it's a little terrifying initially for everybody to see who you really are. And I think closest of friends may know that. But but really, what's been amazing to me is how that has drawn people to Gateway, whether they're employees or new, I don't know, I don't really want to call them customers, new friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that story that you're leading with that in this conversation. I sense it's very important that you share this. I sense it's important. Well, I've had, you know, and unfortunately, I've had several friends that went down the same path and aren't here to talk about it anymore. And I was I was at that stage just a little over three years ago. And it, you know, really a shock to probably most people that knew me or knew of me. And I was just, you know, at that particular point in life, you're just like, I had... You know, not that I think all your values are that had changed that much, but it's really trying to be something that you're not. You know, some of the things you, you know, you make fun of as, as I think maybe a, a stereotypical man is not talking about your feelings, yeah. not really digging in. And, you know, now my wife and I, we, you know, we've been together almost 40 years. So she's tolerated tolerated lots of James so far. Uh, and but you know it's it's been a it's a learning journey and even after this many decades together we still learn from each other uh-huh. and the one thing from her and she's you know my wife's name is Anita and she is definitely the reason that I'm still here and she's the one that put out the hand at the last minute and and it was you know one of those moments that it was right right time right place and and then she really kind of guided my guided didn't kind of did guide my care for a couple months until I started getting back on the on the right track and and you know initially I think with mental health issues it it you know for me initially I was looking at it from a point of well probably even more than guilt more like shame and 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 I don't look at it that way at all anymore it's a journey that, you know, I think a lot of folks that have battled depression and anxiety, you just haven't talked about it. And I've been amazed at how deep, much deeper of a relationship you build with somebody when you're really authentic with them. Oh, that's amazing. How much more deeply you build relationships with others when you're authentic and with yourself. I, I'm struck by so much of what you said already in this conversation, James, right? Like I used to be connected to my business relationships first and basically only my sense is also you were living 
something that was over there, but not you. There was a work James and a real James, maybe. And I also love that you talk about coming full circle from a place that's not you to a place that is you, that you remember from being a child. Now, my sense is that's a journey that many of us are on or taking or at some point on that trajectory. I know for one that I've been on that one and sometimes it's a spiral that keeps going. So tell us a little bit about what drove you to basically lose connection with yourself. How did you get to that point? Because my sense is you weren't doing it by saying, James was saying, oh, you know, I'm going to get disconnected from myself and feel really bad. That's probably, it wasn't your motivation. What was your motivation that got you to the place of a breaking point? You know, it, it, a combination of, of things. Um, you know, the work piece of it was really probably just the drive to succeed. Mm -hmm. And my thought was how, how you do that is you just endlessly work. And, and I've come in to prove that's not true either. What's been really interesting on the business side is as I've achieved more balance, and I have to say, I, you know, for, you know, talking about work-life balance isn't a new issue. But, and, and until three years ago, I, I was very open. I didn't think that was a possibility. I just said work-life balance is, there's, there's no way that can be achieved mm. at the level I'm at right now. And I'm, I was completely wrong. You know, you almost wore it as a badge of honor that, oh, I didn't use half my vacation. Oh, I didn't take any right. days off. Right. You know, even, and talk about, you know, being present. You don't get, you know, when I would go on vacation, I was tied to my phone. I was, you know, I still didn't get a break. Mm. And even then, I didn't get to enjoy the moment. And the other thing, there's just personal issues that come up in everybody's lives that I think can can weigh heavy on you. And if you have, you know, I'm somebody that feels very deeply. Mm -hmm. So if I have a friend that's hurting, Mm. I hurt. Mm -hmm. And and it's, you know, I'm I can usually one of the things I found out is I could carry that for them fairly well, but I couldn't do it for me. Mm. I could give grace to anybody but myself. Ah, yes. And uh, so many things I've learned about everything I thought in my head that was selfish is not. It was more self-care and getting healthy and, you know, we've at, at the bank and not that it was the intended effect at all, but we've grown significantly, I work less hours. I take all my vacation. I take plenty of time to relax. And my team feels that. Mm. I was really adamant that my team did not work overtime, but I did. And it was just, yeah, it's just, a, it's just things I wished I had learned 30, 30 years earlier in my career. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That sense of striving and always having to work, not thinking there's such a thing as work-life balance, especially not at your level being a CEO of a bank. That's <laughs> like that's not happening. This is not a possibility. So I'm never resting. What did that feel like inside of James, let's say before the transition? What what did that feel like? What was it like to be you back then? Just an incredibly high level of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I literally went decades of sleep deprivation. Mm. And I had just kind of got to the point where I'm like, okay, three to five hours is normal. If I got five, I was thrilled. And it was usually broken up into two or three pieces. And it was just always anxious. But, you know, there, I think even in the toughest of times, there's moments of joy. But to really 
like when I started getting better, my wife's like, she's like, it's good to have you back. And, you know, it's like, it's really good to be back. You know, you're, you're not present. You're not there. I'm not feeling, I, I wasn't feeling much of anything. And, and one of the big things I've learned over the last three years is really that, you know, I thought I could just like turn off an emotion. Right. And what I found out is I pretty much turned them all off. Yes. And yes, just yes. got to the point where I survived mm. and sounds very stereotypical, but I, I feel like I'm thriving now and I feel like my team is thriving and I'm like, wow, this is way better than just yeah. trying to get through the day. Yes, yes, yes. The reason I'm, I'm pausing a little bit on the darker side of the story is because I sense some of our listeners may be there or some of us, I know I has still have a tendency to be on that darker side from time because we're not from time to time because we're not like a computer that just gets reprogrammed and it's all over. So so actually hearing your story, James, for me personally has been very helpful to hear about your overworking and feeling disconnected from yourself. Actually, my husband sometimes says that to me when I'm overworking and it's Friday night and said, Hilke, are you there? And my sense from you is that Anita is so welcome, so happy to, to, to have you back. And I will definitely get the, are, are you here? It's just so interesting that so many of the, uh, of the things that, that we're taught when we're young, I do think we, everything we need to know, we learned in kindergarten, ah. uh, by kindergarten. And yes. it's just getting back to the basics and, and really every day is not good. Every day is still not good, but I have tools to deal with that now. Yes. You know, like one that I've really spent a lot of time on is, you know, for decades of working, you know, I've been a banker for 37 years is, is people are like, well, if you're having a bad day, don't bring it to work. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, if you're having a bad day, it's okay. You yes. know, you're, it doesn't mean you're going to treat everybody poorly, but if you're struggling, it's okay to share that. Yes. And it's also okay if there's one day that it's just too overwhelming, it's okay to go home too. Yeah. And oh. and I think that's, um, and that's not just for me, that's for my whole team. Uh. And I think that's been a, I don't know, the, the relationship I talked about deeper with friends that deep, you know, I've always, I have an amazing team and they have been so supportive. And when I was out of work for six weeks, they literally stepped up and did everything. And I'm like, I don't think many folks could get, get their team to back them like that. But they were backing. It was more of them being okay with what I was going through. Mm. After that, you know, some folks sharing, you know, either their experiences or family members' experiences. And it's like, okay, now that you've talked about this, let's talk. So part of what the leader does, it, it set, you set the stage and you create a context for people to feel safe to actually share more of their true self as well. And whether that's, I'm so happy or I am really depressed. And it's, it's all welcome. It's all welcome is what I'm hearing. And I sense from your energy. Yeah, when we have, you know, it's it's the the good times are great because we were dancing in the lobby this morning, so we were <laughs> we were having fun. I had my hip hop music on. It was a good morning. Uh huh. But you know, there's mornings where you know, yesterday one of the team was having a tough day, and you know, there's a time to celebrate. There's a time to just be a little more quiet and reflective, and leaving that space for somebody to come in and have a conversation with you. So I, I feel like my office is kind of like the therapy office. But really, what's even cooler than that? is it's spread throughout the entire team. Huh. So that, 
I mean, everybody's been what I would say, what I would call the Brene Brown moment vulnerable with everybody else. And there's not near as many, I don't know if secrets is the right word or just not being fully authentic. But I had one of my team come in a couple months ago and she's like, and she basically made the comment, this is what family feels like, like real family Ah. feels like. And I'm like, you know, I told her, I'm like, you just made my whole year. (laughs) Yes, yes. This is what family can feel like. Yeah, when we're really close and really open with each other. That that is very beautiful. That's very beautiful. I would like us to just take a brief moment, if you like, if you're willing to do that, just to share with us a little bit about how you went through your valley. My my sense was you were in a place of very great darkness inside, like a lot of depression. Tell us a little bit about, if you're willing, how you went through that. And because I think all of us can learn whether, you know, we have the same experience or whether we have an experience that is maybe experience light or experience more intense. It's, I think it's really helpful for people to hear that. So if you're willing to do that, that'll be really good. Yeah. It's how, how authentic do you want me to be? Is, are you okay? You know, there's some things that are tough to talk about, but there's, you know, like when you start talking about, you know, suicidal ideation, I don't want to overly stress out your your listeners no. but but really for for me it was you know when it, kind of right when all this happened i had you know i didn't sleep very well for years but then i hadn't slept at all for 3 days yeah. and your mind starts doing all kinds of crazy things after 3 days of yeah. no sleep mm-hmm. and that's when you know to me and one of the things just it's been it was incredibly difficult to talk about a suicidal ideation with my wife my kids have, you know, now that they've heard dad a few times, they know what happened. They didn't right away. And it it was, and, and trying to explain suicidal ideation and what it meant, what it was for me. And, you know, at that particular point in my life, it was a comfort, which sounds really screwed up and backwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was... It was like, hey, if things are too overwhelming, this is this is an option. Looking back on it now, I mean, things I, you know, I would have missed my youngest daughter graduating college. I would have missed my 35th anniversary with my wife to finally make our first trip to Hawaii. I would have missed those moments that just a pure joy that seems to be way more. And but really at that, at that very bottom, it was leading up to it probably for about six six months to a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have days where I literally, the every hair on my body was standing up and I'm like, I have to go home. I just have to go home and I'd want to crawl up and like go to the guest room, shut the door, turn, shut all the blinds and, and just nothing. You'd have a good day and then a bad day, but it was just, there seemed to be getting more and more bad days. Mm-hmm. And then in my, you know, in my mind, things were really starting to add up and, you know, the tough thing when you, if you're talking to somebody that's never struggled with depression or anxiety, which I assume a lot have, or a lot I've talked to have, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's not a logical reason for the depression, mm-hmm. usually. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, my, this, is where, this is where, whether this is all reality, in my, in my head, this is, this is all reality. Right. And then trying to figure out how to talk through those issues. So instead of, you know, probably the big difference between the, then and now, instead of just holding it, holding it, holding it, it's like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So you were, you, you were even in that suicidal ideation. And I'm grateful you're able to say that, right? Because there's so many words in our lives that are sort of off limits. 
but they're still there. You know, yeah. <laughs> we can't sort of cut them off. They happen. <laughs> they're here. So the question is not whether they're here. The question is, what do we do with them? And what I appreciate about you is that you are speaking about that and therefore bring light and awareness to this. So I'm very grateful to, that, you, that you're doing that to, for, 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 for myself and for my senses, many other people that are not willing or able to use certain words because you don't get followers for that in this, in this society. You know, there's, there's, a, there's many things that, that we think we should be yeah. But not that. But that's also part of us. So in the in those in that moment, as you were going through that, you had that suicidal ideation. What happened? So I, it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday morning, and when I kind of when I hit the rock bottom, and I had I had figured out how to end it, what I was going to do. Right before I was getting ready to leave the house, my you know I my wife walked in. I was think I was changing in the closet. My wife came in and. I just literally, you know, I not that I, I don't have an issue with crying at all. I just don't. And I just completely broke down. And, you know, my, my, my wife's first thought was, oh, did I cheat on her? And I'm like, that's not it. So, the, and, and I, but, you know, I could understand that from that kind of, that my reaction. Mm-hmm. And I was just right or wrong emotion. For me at the time, my emotion was ashamed. Mm-hmm. And and I knew what I was getting ready to do and just seeing her. And I broke down and she's just like, you know, I remember just, I literally fell to the floor in the closet and couldn't stop sobbing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, tell me what's going on. And, and, and I did. And she's like, we can, you know, we'll figure this out. And so as that day and the next couple of days came, she literally fought to get me into a hospital and did and then tracked me through group and you know intensive outpatient and partial hospital back to partial hospitalization it's like oh I'm going backwards she's like no you're just learning more and it was she was she drove me every day I didn't drive I didn't drive for two months even after I went back to work she still drove me I just was to a point I couldn't for a while and you know and it, it was I wish I didn't have to go f- fully into the wall and hit it before I decided life needed to change. But for me, that's what happened. And, but you know, that moment was, and it's hard to tell the person that you love more than anything that you were thinking about calling it a day. Yeah. And my, all that could go through my head with my wife and my daughters was that they weren't good enough for me to stick around for. And that's, that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never looked at it that way. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, I would assume a selfish way to look at it at the time for me, but I was just like, it just felt like there was so much pain and sadness and depression and anxiety. It's just like, I don't want to have it anymore. Right. It's very, very clear. Very clear. And Thank you for, for sharing that. And thank you for sharing it so clearly so that we can understand and also find the places in ourselves that visit the same place, similar places, different places. So that, you know, your your wife, Anita, was like, had some influence on you as you made a transition towards living again. So what have you learned in that process? Really, the big thing is just, I would have always told you that my wife and I were well-connected. I mean, we've loved each other for a long, long time. and and But there were just things I felt were, number one, as a man that you weren't going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And for a couple of reasons, partially just, feeling that that's what I was taught not to do, but also that I need to be the strong one. Mm-hmm. 
always. Mm. And I don't. And it's, you know, I, I was just, there was so many things I was running through, worst case scenarios in my brain. If I tell her this, if I talk about this, I didn't want to put any more burden on her. And, you know, thinking that, a, you know, ending your life would not have an impact on her is crazy. But in my mind, that wasn't something I was thinking about. Right, right. You know, I would just, that, that connectedness to her, the connectedness to my friends, mm-hmm. um, has made a big difference even you know just even at work just to show that you know I can have a you know I have a bad day you know before when I and the funny thing is when I thought I was hiding a bad day I really wasn't isn't that true <laughs> and you know I'm like oh nobody nobody understands it and you know when I shut my door and I'm like turn on my turn on my meditation music and literally just I'm trying to stay sane enough to stay at my desk you know they can see that you know if I'm dancing through the lobby with my hip-hop music I'm probably pretty good mood <laughs> Just being real and, and the, the, the word, when I was going through all my treatment, the one word that came up over and over and over again was authentic. Mm. And my last day of group, so we would put, fill out sheets of paper and throw them in a bowl and then we'd each pick one out. It's still on my desk. The one I picked out, my final day of group said to, for James to inspire others by being, well, not for James, but just says to inspire others by being my authentic self. And so my my first tattoo I picked up after uh, after group was to get my be authentic tattoo, and it just meant uh, so much to me. Ah, uh, so my sense is that what pulled you through was something about being real, uh, being authentic, being reminded by life, by Anita, your wife, by your friends, by your colleagues who James truly is, which helped you to heal, maybe loosen your attachment to those thoughts. These are my words. I'd like to explore that more after the break. To those thoughts. And I, I heard that that I heard you say many things. I thought that, but actually that wasn't true. That wasn't true. So we're gonna take a break in a moment. And James, I'm sitting here with tears in my eyes, as you can probably tell. As I'm listening to your story, it stirs a lot in in me, and it also gives me a lot of hope as I listen to you, because it's very clear to me that you sit in your seat uh, with a lot of authenticity, and also we haven't talked about this compassion for yourself and for others, and at the same time you're contributing a heck of a lot to your family, to your brother community, to your company. So when we get back after the break, I'd like to explore more about the part of your healing journey, what tools you used and learned. And you talked about hip hop and meditation. I love the combination of that. Uh, Dancing in the office, listening to some meditation music. I'd love to hear more group. I'd love to hear more about some of the tools you used and also what your connection is to to then being of service. Because I can easily remember, or, or actually I said remember, that was a Freudian slip because I've been into a situation that was not that different from you. I also had uh, sometimes, I not to compete with you, but a week I didn't sleep at all. That this sense of like, I'm going to keep this world towards me. <laughs> like, let's please keep it contained. And I see you out there in the world. So that's another thing we're going to explore after the break. James, thank you so much. Uh, if you've been listening uh, and just tuning in now, you've been listening to Rooted and Unwavering. We've been talking to James Christensen, uh, CEO of Gateway Bank, 
who is sharing with us his transformational and truly transformational journey, capital T, capital J, about really facing some of the harder things of being human and finding a way to be honest with those and through that honesty, finding a way through. See you after the break. You are listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership, team, and culture development company. If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization, please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Rooted and Wavering. We've been talking to James Christensen, CEO of Gateway Bank. And James, you've been talking to us about a truly transformational journey. So tell us a little bit about the tools you've been using. So I can give you a little bit more process on the journey and then what I kind of exactly what I'm doing now. So for me, the, this, this whole journey started with, you know, you, you learn so much kind of in hindsight and every stage is different. I was in the hospital for a week and I look back on that and I learned a lot there. The one, probably the biggest thing I learned in the hospital was, you know, this group of people you spend time with that are going through the same thing that you're going through literally from every walk of life, from from homeless to incredibly wealthy. I'm not that person. And everything in between, male, female, LGBTQ, veteran, not everything you can think of. And after a couple days together and sharing in group or doing yoga together, the the, the love they can show you is just, mind-blowing and you know at that at, in that point in your life where you don't think anybody could love you mm. here this total stranger who you probably never would have met under any other circumstance mm. showed that um so that was you know the, that was one of my big takeaways from the hospital my other was that was the first time in my life i ever did yoga and i found out how amazing it was after that i went into i went into um group intensive outpatient which is three hours a day and I did that for a couple of weeks and and I, I had a really good therapist in that group and and was having some good discussions, but I was really stuck. Mm. And, you know, she's after a couple of weeks, she's like, I think you need to go to partial hospitalization. And in my mind, that was going backwards. Mm. You know, every stage of this journey, the first day was terrifying because it was all new. Mm. You know, then I went to, you know, my my um Partial hospitalization was a very ended up being a very small group. We were right at the very beginning of COVID, and uh, my my lead therapist I had is a, just a couple years older than my oldest daughter. Right. She, for whatever reason, just found a way to connect, mm. and we started. And, and you, you know, there was revelations in that in that period of time that that I'm like, wow, it's amazing what your brain does to protect you and that a memory can get buried that deep. You know, some of the things I thought were all the major issues, some of that was true, but some of it was even much deeper than that. And then really the step beyond that was just, you know, they, they gave me a really nice handoff to a therapist afterwards. And I was with her until about six months ago. And then she's like, I think I've taken you as far as I can take you. And so I moved on to another one where we've done some somatic therapy, which has really been interesting where your body carries stress. 
So I feel like each stage of that journey, I've learned more and more and more. And I'm like, why don't they teach this to people? This is amazing. Right. And but really for me now, I've tried so many things. I've, you know, um, probably one of the first things I tried that I really enjoy and I still enjoy is progressive muscle relaxation. Really just kind of going head to toe and and feeling that relaxation set in. Meditation is is part of part of the daily routine. Mm-hmm. Meditation is an interesting one as you talk to talk to friends about. They they um probably one of the most interesting things with meditation is that sometimes it it's perceived as you can't have faith and meditation in the mm-hmm. same space. Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree. It's like, well, that's relying on something else. I'm like, meditation is just absolutely incredible. And for me to be able to figure out, and I, I think it's going to take me a lifetime to get really, really good at it. Mm. But for me, a 10-minute meditation can take me from where I'm just like, you know, basically claws on the ceiling to centered again. And it's like, okay, now I can handle the rest of the day. I'm good. Just a 10, I mean, it's not like I have to go away for an hour. It's 10 minutes. I go upstairs, I shut a door, and it's just me, and it's quiet. And that really helps. I've got some, I've got all kinds of, of ways to relax the muscles that I really like. I have, I have one machine I have called the Swing Master. So we joke and call it the Swing Master 2000. <laughs> and where I just put my feet in it. And, you know, you basically just go back and forth for 15 minutes. And it just kind of works that, works all that energy out of the body. And it's just after it's over, I've fallen asleep on it multiple times. I also have something called a spunk mat, which is like little spikes and you're like, wow, this is like torture to lay on it. It's absolutely incredible. And and it just kind of changes your your focus. And I've fallen asleep there too. And it's just like, for me, finding things that relax me or calm me. Mm. And then once I'm calm, then I can go right back and accomplish what I need to. Oh, so much in what you just said. Uh, I was making mental notes in my mind. What we'll do after this podcast is we'll make a, a list of all of these tools and maybe could put some links so people can find those resources if they're interested in that. I want to visit a few of those in more detail. The, the first one that struck me was this group experience you had of, in that very beginning of being loved very deeply by others who were on a similar journey maybe from a different station in life, but able to fully receive you. To me, that is such a healing experience, one that I get to partake in myself in healing work that I do. And I see it in teams that I work with where just simply spending a little bit of time sharing stories with each other about what's really going on. And there's something that opens miraculously of a certain Mm -hmm. connection that, sort of goes beyond the day-to-day that then carries us forward to do amazing things. So can you say a little bit more about what you learned being in a group like that? A couple experiences. I can I could come up with a whole bunch, but there's a couple that just immediately came to mind when you asked that. And and one of them was right, you know, right before I left the hospital, somebody that I had met, we had you know, there's some free time. It's pretty structured, but there's some free time and and so we I there was a business owner that was there and he and I, he says like, Hey, do you want to talk? And, and we did. And, and he just kind of unloaded. And then the next couple of nights as we finally got to the end of the day and had a little free time, we talked some more. And then on my, I would assume he told me more in a week than he probably told some of his closest friends in a lifetime. 
And we just felt really connected. We were walking to lunch, and I was going home right after lunch. As we're going, it's one of the there's there's definitely some rules, and you're not supposed to touch or anything. And and he just we're walking around, and he just literally turns around and gives me an enormous bear hug. And I you know I had a couple of the texts that were right behind me, and I just looked, and they're like, it's okay. I'm like, thanks, because I I'm like he you know I'm just like you know I but you know when you there's a hug and then there's a hug. You know where you can feel it, and right. you could almost feel the 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 pain kind of disappear. Mm. And you know the hug was as good for me as it was for him. Mm. But just that really deep connection. He and I stayed in contact actually for quite a while. He's the only one I had any information on, and right. and one of the others that I really really got close to was somebody that was the age of my youngest daughter. Had several experiences that week, but the first day she got there, she was it, the the day you show up is terrifying because you're like you don't know anybody. You're coming in, you're talking to a psychiatrist. They're like, okay, we're gonna put you here, and here's this big group of people, and you're just like, ah. So I'm I was sitting in in uh, kind of the family room area coloring, and she just came down and sat and said, can I color with you? And I'm like, sure. So we really didn't talk a lot. We just colored, and I finished. You know, she finished hers, and then as she finished coloring it, she. She flipped it over, and she's like, what's your name? And, so, and then she wrote me a note and gave it to me. And then so I got hers, did the same. There was a couple times during that week, and she's, you know, when she would have a down moment, people would be like, you know, can I give you a hug? You know, I'll give you a hug. And she's like, I don't need a hug. I need somebody to just to listen to me and be with me. That's it. And I'm like, wow, that's just, you know, our family's a hugger and, and our huggers. And, and I'm thinking, but just to... Basically, I took that. I just need to connect with somebody and somebody to see me for who I am right now, even in my bad moments. Mm-hmm. And so I still to this day, and and we have that that picture at home. My wife has it somewhere. And when we came home, I just, we took it out and she's like, oh, who this? And I flipped it over and I just literally cried like a little kid again. And, and I'm just like, she's like, what's wrong? And she's like, I didn't mean to you know, to, to to have this harm you. And I'm like, no, I said, I just, I said, when I see the picture that time, all I could see was all the pain behind it, mm. even though it's a beautiful picture. Mm. And so that's mm. something that three years later, I still haven't seen, but I hope, you know, I'm sure I will at some point. And it was just that, you know, you don't connect with everybody, but there's a handful of folks that you're just like, wow, this is like, so deep. And one of the homeless people that I, I sat and had lunch with every day, he and I were just, uh, it was just like, you know, we joked about the two of us would never be together. And then to start sharing these experiences and everything we had in common was pretty amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. I I know that I can talk to you for hours just listening. It's just uh, really nourishing actually to hear your stories. Where my mind's going is I can imagine listeners thinking, so what does this have to do with being a leader, right? What does this have to do? Because, so tell us a little bit about what does, does this have anything to do with leadership? And from your perspective, how has this shaped you, how you lead? I've always had, a, the compassion piece has always been strong. Mm-hmm. Showing weakness has been something, well, I don't even show it as a weakness, just having a bad day yeah. or or my struggles. And I think a deep part of that connection with the team is you're just like me. Mm. I struggle like that. I have days like that. 
you know, I just don't hide that part of myself. That part's open now. And it, and we definitely attract, you know, folks that like, you know, some folks want to go to work, do their job, go home, mm-hmm. don't really want to connect. People that, that, that like want to have their work family or even some folks that, that maybe home life has been hard. And it's like, wow, this is, what I have here is amazing. Yes. And, and just having that space to watch everyone succeed mm. and grow and has been, there's been so many side benefits that have happened. When I, one of the things I just thought of when I very, the, my very first day in the hospital, I went up, met the psychiatrist and I'm just, I'm a complete mess at that point. And she just put her hand on mine and she's like, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. You know, and at that point, you're like, yeah, I don't think so. And now I'm like, wow, this is, it's too bad it went to that point. But but I am so grateful for having gone through what I did. And now I can, you know, I think there's things that your team are like, oh, you know, James has probably never had, you know, you don't have the anxiety, you don't have the depression. And it's like, I do. And I have. And I have those moments where I think I'm completely worthless. And then I have those moments where I feel incredibly strong. And, and you know, the one I tr- that I thought everybody wanted their leader to see is that you're always, always strong. And, you know, I think, you, you know, when you're the leader, you do need to guide the ship. But I think it's okay to say, this is who I am. This is who I am. So leading from a place of, this is who I am. Who are you? Let's be real, not hiding. And... I hear you speak about the connection, the meaning, the fulfillment that happens at work. Can you speak a little bit about what's the impact, the quality of the conversations, the quality of the decisions, and your performance as a business? Because you are one of the strongest performing businesses and community banks in your peer group. So can you say more about that? Yeah, it's just, it's, we're not, um, instead of walking into the morning and saying, hey, Hilka, how you doing? You're like, good, fine. We don't really have that conversation. <laughs> and it's it's more of, Hilka, I know, you ha- I know you were, this was a concern. How's it going? Or how's your mom? Or how's, you know, how's your husband? How's any, how's this? And, and, and you'll get a full answer, you know, and I get the same. And, and I think that's, it's just, there's, just sharing your authentic self draws that deep, deep connection. And, and it's not like I'm, you know, the, the team's asking those questions because like, oh, this is what James wants us to ask now. It's like, no, I'm asking because I genuinely care. Yeah, that's great. So there's, there's a genuineness. How does that translate then into how the business operates, how teams work? how they disagree, how they go to conflict, how they make decisions, how they commit to stuff. How does that work? There's always conflict. So, but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's different. It's healthy. And, you know, when you're all trying to make a decision for what you think is best, yes. you may come at it from a different direction. And that's something we've, I've been very open with the team. Whenever we have our planning or work sessions or anything else, I'm like, assume there's no limits, assume mm-hmm. there's no boundaries, and, you know, not if we throw 50 things on the board, some of them may not be achievable. Let's just start with everything. What's been really cool, and we have our 
planning sessions with the entire team. Some of the folks, you know, some there's always people in your organization that are more outgoing and some that are more introverted. Yes. And, yes. and but some of those folks that are introverted and quiet have some of the most amazing ideas. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have to draw that through uh, you know, where you're basically putting things on a post-it and they really don't know where it came from. And others times they're willing to share it openly. But even if it's been shared behind the scenes, I'm I'm always like, do you can I tell everybody, are you okay with that? And they're yeah. like, oh, now you can. Yeah. And it's like, this was this person's idea. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, they're like, how'd you get that? I'm like, I just asked. I just asked. And I can imagine that the capacity to just ask and to just say is a sign of a really deeply healthy culture. And that includes all of your emotions, emotions, ideas, whatever it is. Yeah, I had, you know, you have those, when I was at my worst, the gratefulness piece was non-existent from my life, regardless of anything. Not that there was nothing good happening. I just couldn't see it. And yesterday, one of our, one of our longtime clients was at the bank and he'd already walked out the front door. And I'm just like, I just had this really giant feeling of gratefulness. And I went out and I'm like, I'm like, I really appreciate your support over all the years. And he just stopped and he's like, he's like, I, you know, he said, I appreciate support from our side, but I'm just like, I don't know. It just seems like we don't take the time to say thank you uh, and and really feel it and be like, wow, even in, you know, whether it was my good times, or my bad times, you were there to help me and you were there supporting me as a client. And and really the the growth as a bank has come as, you know, as our brand has been more authentic, more open it's amazing how many people can relate to real and not that it's just gateway or it's just me. It's like, if you, if mm-hmm. when you think of an organization with really good culture and openness, people are drawn to it. Mm-hmm. That's the coffee shop you're going to go to. That's the mechanic you're going to go to. And you're just like, you, you don't see companies with really good culture go away. They don't. Mm-hmm. These people were, when I walk in the door, I feel safe. I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like, I can come in and, you know, I can have a customer come in and cry and it's okay. Mm. I'm just getting a, a, another motto for Gateway Bank. It's like being real together, like really being real. The The question that was on my mind before the break, I want to just p- ponder for a second, which is, so I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm amazed by you, James, just in case you didn't notice, because you're integrating so many different parts, right? The, parts of the deep healing, the part of being a CEO, of leading a thriving business, and it's all part of this thing, and then being uh, in the community, being of service. Can you say a bit more about that last piece, about being of service in the community? You were nominated and got the, you know, the Mesa 2023 Citizen of the Year Award. So, what drives you to serve and how is that related to you being real? The recognition part of it's a little embarrassing, but the fun part was I got to have for that particular event, my, you know, you can pick who you have speak on your behalf. And it was our two daughters and they're just incredible. You know, I told my wife when it was for that night, when we got there, she's like, what do you want tonight? I said, I want, I just want to enjoy the night and be there. And I, and I did. As far as service, I, it really comes from, both sides of our family have Methodist pastors, so we kind of grew up serving. It was what we did, whether it was a church or, you know, whatever organization it was. And for the longest time, I would, you know, and, and you know, I, 
the majority of the nonprofits are all excellent and do amazing things, but I was really to the point where I I had overcommitted. And, you know, I'm involved in several boards right now, but they're all ones where their mission is amazing. Service is what makes our life better here, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that I get, when I serve, I almost feel guilty when I leave because I'm like, the people that you serve fill you up so much. Mm-hmm. Maybe a piece of it is that that they're like, thank you. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you know, you know, when you can, you know, when somebody says something that you feel it on the inside, you're like, that's, service fills me up. So I think service gives me the energy to do what I do at work. Service fills me up. It gives me the energy to do what I need to do at work. As a, That's so putting it upside down because I can imagine for people considering being of service, thinking just like first day at the group therapy, yeah, that's like I, I don't have the time or I don't have the energy. And you're actually putting it upside down. You're saying this is something that, that gives me energy. We, we're getting towards the last bit of our conversation, which again, from my perspective, could go on for, for a long time. I want you to think about people who are maybe in the midst of it in the midst of maybe being lost or having those two personas and just not knowing how to bring work and home or work and real person together, what would you want to say to them? That's a really good question. I was fortunate to have somebody around that could guide my help. Not everybody has that luxury. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we try to put out in when I speak or or when we have an event is that, and I, and I feel it with a lot of our clients, is that you are, I mean, yes, we're your bank, but we love you as well. I think for the people that are, are doing well or have been on the journey, you can, not always, but you can usually see it in someone. And even if you don't, it's just, you know, having that for me, and and now, like if I if I'm at a coffee shop or I'm somewhere, you know, I just express deep gratitude regularly. You know, when you tell somebody you love them, and then when you ask them, "What can I do for you?" Mm-hmm. and if you wait a second and hold eye contact, they'll probably tell you. And I think that's just that trying to really connect on a one-on-one level. I'm, you know, when I have people that speak to me about something a deep issue or that they're going through. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I'm pushing my stuff off my desk. I'm like, okay, I'm all in. My phone's off. I'm, I'm here. And it, it's just, I think being fortunate enough to find some way that's going to say, I've walked your walk and you're not the only one. Right. At the time, it feels like you are. Yes. And it feels like you're on that journey by yourself. And I think it's just being more self-aware of what's going on around you and being able to, a conversation you may have with, with somebody you walk by on the street, Hilka, you may have just made a, a, a life-changing, it may have been a life-changing moment. You won't even remember it. Mm. And I think it's just showing that kind of love. It's, again, paradoxical. Thinking about when you are in the midst of it, meaning on the darker side of the journey, you feel anxious, depressed. What I'm hearing from you Hmm, maybe that's a time to express gratitude and to be of service because am I con- thinking about what you said before this and then this? It's like, yeah, it's uh, how you connect back to an energy that gives to you. 
yeah, the connectedness and wherever you find that, that's, I don't think we can do this journey on our own. I'm also very struck by what you said about the being in the group, having people from very unexpected walks of life, the homeless person, the therapist who was your youngest daughter's age, even your wife, when you're in the closet, just to, to show up. And what I sense in you is an openness to that. And literally, bad metaphor, but allowing yourself not to stay in the closet mm-hmm. uh, and just get out and, and, and however you do that. It's uh, very meaningful. As I'm reflecting on this conversation, James, I'm, I'm having many ahas, and some of them already have words, and some of them are brewing. So they'll be brewing with me as I, as I reflect on this conversation. But one of the things that I think will stay with me for probably the rest of my life is how you so decisively break down the barrier of openness. It's like, let's be real. Let's just be real. And then the strength that comes online, it's, it's such it, like this has been a conversation about paradox. My ego, we haven't talked about that, but my thinking mind doesn't think I can do that. And then paradoxically, on the other side of what I don't think I can do lies grace and gratitude and energy and healing and unexpected sources. You would have never met those people uh, that, you, that you celebrate in this conversation. So those are some of the things that I'm taking away for, for my own life and that I will share with others as I, as I talk to them. What are some of your final reflections from our conversation, James? You know, it's just most of what we've talked about today, I didn't even have as a thought as far as what I wanted to talk about. It's just so I appreciate the free-flowing conversation. And, and you know, I feel like I've learned a lot from your comments as well this morning. And it's just, you know, really for me, it's wear one hat during the day. Be you. Be authentic, show love, be present, enjoy the happiness. If you're having a sad day, feel it mm. and share it. Mm. And and just it's, you know, trying to bottle that all up inside doesn't work very well. It's just a matter of time before it's going to come out and however it's going to rep- show itself. It just seems like we're a society where we're just trying to get through life. And I think to enjoy the people you spend time with and you meet during the day, and thank them for who they are and what they do, you will get back way more than you give. Thank you. Thank you. I have an image of you jumping in the pool every second. I'm just going to jump in and, and, and the water is going to hold me. Thank you for that, uh, James. It's uh, been incredibly moving and meaningful to, to be with you today. If you've been listening today to, uh, to Ruder and Wavering, this was a, podcast with James Christensen. He's the CEO of Gateway Bank. He practices realness, authenticity, and uh, shared with us his healing journey that brings great stillness in me as I reflect on it. An awe for the human experience and people like you who are willing to move through it. Hope you heard something you find helpful. If, um, if this kind of conversation appeals to you and you want to continue listening, you can Find James, James Christensen at Gateway Bank. Uh, he's available at different networks and uh, also coffee shops, I understand. Absolutely. <laughs> and you can also uh, connect with Reuter and Wavering. You, you can um, uh, 
subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, and other places. You can watch it on LinkedIn. And you can also uh, connect with GLN and with me, uh, whatever you like. Our next episode will be with uh, Bert van der Hoek, who is a person from the Netherlands. He's the CEO of the Trimbos Institute, which is an institute for mental health, national mental health, uh, probably quite related to what we've been talking about here. And today we've been talking with, with James Christensen again, talking about realness. I will be here again uh, next week. And until then, I hope you take good care of yourself. I hope you took something from this conversation that helps you to be more connected and being real. Definitely has helped me. Until next time, uh, this was Ruther and Wavering, where we connect leaders of all walks of life to connect more deeply to their innate potential. See you next time. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness, presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.